Hey guys, welcome back to the Nerdy Birdie podcast. It's your girl, Lauren, of course. And I'm glad that people are still sticking around for <laughs> for this. Um, I guess you can call it kind of like a monthly series um, for October. Um, because this month I'm going to be doing all spoopy episodes. And you may ask yourself, what exactly does that mean? What does she have in store for us? Well, I'll tell you. Um, in this episode, um, I'm obviously going to be speaking more about some experiences of my own, but throughout the month, I hope to be incorporating some more guests like I used to more in the past and interviewing them on some certain topics, on certain, and interviewing them on topics of interest revolving around things that are spooky, like ghosts or the occult or even reviewing some scary movies and I'd really like to get back into the video game genre where it concerns horror. Um, I would love to actually show some video game horror related um, reviews that incorporate you know my friends. Um, so that's the type of lineup I plan on sharing with you guys throughout the month of October leading up to Halloween and perhaps we'll revisit doing a Halloween special that I promised to do last year and I did but if you've been following the show since the beginning you know that that didn't quite work out the way I wanted it to because the damn video wouldn't upload to YouTube so I have it it's still on my phone because yeah I recorded it on my phone and I even edited it but it's it won't go it just won't go anywhere so if you want to hear that episode you can you can at least have the audio version of it, of course, in season one of the Nerdy Birdie podcast. And there you go. <laughs> um, this is a very impromptu episode in terms of when I'm recording it and with the topic fresh in my mind. So I hope that this doesn't sound weird or as disorganized as I feel like it might c- come across. But you know what? Fuck it. Nerdy Birdie's not about perfection. It's about being your goddamn self. Am I right? Okay, so if you saw the title of this episode, then you obviously know it's going to get a little eccentric. Now, this episode is called What It's Like to Be Clairsentient. Now, if you don't know what a clairsentient is, I'll try to educate you in an eloquent way that doesn't make me sound disqualified. (laughs) Now, most people have heard of, um, oh my god, I can't even think of the word, like, Claire, um, clairvoyant, duh, excuse me, there's different capacities of clairvoyance, everyone's heard of clairvoyance, which is basically when you can, um, communicate with spirit, but there are different, um, levels of it, like I said, so clairvoyance is mostly someone who is psychically inclined that can see spirit and communicate with them in that in that way. Now there's also clairaudient, which means to hear, and there's clairsentient, like me, which is to feel. Hello, kitty, my little boy sitting with me, my little spoopy ghost hunter boy boy. Yes, good boy. All right, so anyways, I identify myself as a clairsentient being. And what that feels like for me is if I go on investigations, and even if I don't, if I just happen to be somewhere where there is 
I suppose, psychic energy, or I think some would maybe describe it as, like, exactly, exactly, Max. Um, it's I don't remember the term for it, but it's kind of like when they're there. Never mind. I remember it's residual energy, which is kind of like imagine a house that had a family live in it for like maybe decades, like like maybe a house stayed within a family for a whole long lineage and it never gets passed around to anybody else. And maybe once that whole family goes away or like passes away or something and the house is kind of abandoned it's there's a theory that suggests that even when we pass away if there's a property that we're attached to in some way like residual energy would be kind of like it would kind of look like if a psychic walked in it would look like looking into a house where there's a a looping movie perhaps where there's spirit there that's just, you know, existing, whether it knows it or not. And it's just, you know, there. Kind of just like a looping gif or whatever. Um, so if I'm in places like that, or where I don't even really expect necessarily to, to you know, come across anything, I will feel their presence. I will feel their emotion. And as of this year, I'm developing, it seems like, audience capabilities which as I mentioned before is when you can hear spirit now I have not ever experienced clairaudient capabilities until this year and it's it that for me was kind of frightening because that's literally when it's you can hear someone talking to you but there's no one there you can't see them and I don't very often see anything I used to see spirit a lot more when I was a kid but since I've gotten older what I'm able to do has either evolved or just changed completely um so in my early adulthood I kind of evolved into more of I can sense that something's here I can tell that someone is upset or afraid or you know anxious what or malevolent especially I can feel all of those things and what that looks like if people go with me in a sense is like if we go on an investigations and there are some instances where I will just start crying out of context and I won't I myself will not feel sadness you know like I won't feel like sad about anything in regards to myself but I will get overwhelmed with a ton of just energy or um, or some kind of emotion. It's hard to explain because it's not always the same either. Um, I have a couple of stories. I have, well, I have a lot of stories I could share with you. But I'm trying to think of some of the best examples that that would kind of describe what it feels like when you're overwhelmed in a clairsentient experience. So I would say the well the best example is of a spirit that I did not come across until this year or maybe the end the tail end of last year. Now I will not reveal the identity of this person specifically because 
I don't know. Well, I have an idea of how it would be received. And (laughs) 99.9% of me does not care what other people think. And that's the honest truth. However, because this is a person that it was well known, I'm not comfortable with A, people potentially just finding everything else I've said discreditable because of this one thing. Um, Because in my experience, most people that spend time with me when I'm, when I'm, behaving or when I'm basically acting as a conduit which is like a lightning rod because like I'm someone who can often bring spirit to them whether they want to or not um so in situations where people have observed the some of these instances with me they're usually more inclined to believing in it more than when they started when it's what they perceive to be anonymous spirits or people that they personally knew but I'm a little apprehensive about all of that kind of going out the door if I tell people that there is a well-known entity that has spent it's a lot that's been spending a lot of its time with me and it's not that I need outside validation but I'm in, in the real honest truth I just don't want to feel bad I guess because for me it's a very real experience it's one of the few experiences I have where it's so powerful and I actually have some evident physical evidence of their presence and for anyone to kind of try to convince me that it's not true would frankly offend me and I don't want to imply either that I'm a person who can't accept outside opinion or that I'm too stubborn or pig-headed to you know evaluate other points of view or you know other potential causes of things but at the same time I don't want to be dissuaded by outside opinion of of an experience that I know has and is happening because I am because it all of my senses are involved there's except for sight (laughs) well well kind of but Max no no don't do this come here but essentially all my senses are involved in this experience like for the people who say they need to be able to see or hear or, or you know all of have all their senses you know triggered for it to be real those are happening for me aside from the psychic parts of it so for that reason alone i i well not the alone but th- that's a big reason why i don't care to tell people who it is I haven't even told my best friends who it is, um, and and that just and I'm only sick, and that's kind of just to. How should I say? 
The fact that I haven't even told my best friends should tell you how guarded I am. And it's not even that I don't trust my own friend. It's in part because this spirit has asked me not to. So it's also a respect factor. I am doing it out of respect for him and largely out of care and concern for myself. And I guess the smaller reason, like the... the, the I would say it's an ad, an adder, but not a huge factor, because there was at least two people I did tell. Else, like I told one person outside of my family, and she did something I did not like, which was a tell her partner without asking me if it was okay, knowing how private I am about it, and be she started trying to kind of take over the situation by trying to film (coughs) content with me and saying that he was um following both of us and that he was our experience when it's very much a personal thing and I'm not saying like that he only talks to me because I know that that's not true, and I'm not being selfish with it. I'm not trying to keep it all to myself by any means. It's not even like that. I just felt that it was weird that she kind of tried just to take over a situation that she had no control over to begin with and had no ability to do so. So it was kind of odd in that regard, but and I don't expect that to be everybody, but... For my own mental sanity and out of respect for him, I have just chosen to keep his identity a secret. That being said, um, it is a well-known person. Um, He's not somebody that I greatly admired or even frankly paid attention to up until the end of last year. Um... He was a person who was greatly loved in the music world. And even though he was loved in a genre that I happened to love, I was never a big fan of his work. So for him to be involved with me on a psychic level is weird. (laughs) And I say that in the most loving way because he's become somebody that I very, very much adore um, and feel immense love for. And I'll tell you this much. When I first told my family, which was like, which is basically two people for the most part, one definitely believed me and the other one questioned me saying, why would he come to you? And I told her, I don't know that I asked myself the same question. And one of her concerns, although (laughs) silly, was how do you know it's not a demon? (laughs) And based on everything I've known and have learned, and I'm not at all going to say that I'm an expert because I am not, nor do I really want to be, an expert on demonology, but the basic things I know is that, A, when that type of entity is around, it never feels good. <laughs> it affects you emotionally it, it, in a bad way. It 
affects your health. It wears on you. And it's not fast acting. It takes a long time for you to notice something like a demon. And typically, a demon has to attach itself to an object. And this entity that is with me, or the spirit I would rather say instead of entity, I don't want to make them sound the same, from day one felt like nothing but pure love. And the strange thing is, like, because I, and I also told her, if, if a demon wanted to beguile me and sugarcoat its way to me by being someone famous why wouldn't they pick someone that I would be like enamored by like David Bowie or Joan Rivers um either of those two would have been the fastest way to get to to possessing my soul that if there was a if that was going to be a thing so for it to be someone that I never would have thought of is a weird way to try to do that if that makes sense Maxie boy boy, I love you. Yes. (laughs) My little interruptive porky boy, I love you so much, you're so fat. Anyways. (laughs) So, not a demon in any way, shape, or form. And there's plenty of other signs to look for, like knocks in increments of three, the smell of rotting meat, things like that. None of those things have happened. And... Thank God. (laughs) But I'm trying to recall exactly how it it first started because around December of last year is when things started happening. And I recall watching a special about him that I'd never seen before. And it wasn't like, and it's like I, I, I lightly knew things about him. And I remember watching the special just kind of on the random, just having a me day. And just kind of being like, oh, interesting. And not really thinking much of it. And then, gosh, I wish I had my journal with me. God, because, like, I wrote so much about it when it first happened. But from what I recall off the top of my head, I started feeling like something was following me on a daily basis. And... Mind you, I've experienced this before, but the last time I experienced it, it was very negative. It was so horrible. I was, I, I was young. I was in my early twenties the last time it happened, and I used to feel like, I always felt it near, near, near the bathroom in the in a house I um, lived in when I went to high school. There was a towel closet in the hallway where my bathroom was. And every time I'd go there to get towels or something, I would just feel like something was all over my shoulders. You know, like when someone's like just right up in your space. And it just felt like they were trying to be intimidating or something of that nature. So uh, it was just so bad. And there was a morning where I left really early to go to school and it was like four in the morning because I um, was taking a bus to get to get there, and I remember I couldn't even finish getting ready because it was so intense that morning that it was just all over me that I just booked it, no makeup or anything, 
and I just started going to this bus stop and I still felt like it was following me outside of the house and it was so scary and traumatic that I had to stop somewhere so I could cry and I was just praying as hard as I could like please God please God take whatever this is away from me help me help me and as soon as I was done praying I felt it go away and then I could and then I went on my way and went to school um and luckily my uncle who's the most talented empath psychic that I know was coming over that for a week um, because he doesn't live in California and he cleansed my house and he basically explained to me that there was not one but two ghosts in the house and that one was just fucking with me because he could basically and the other ghost was his wife and she really wanted to cross over with him but he did not want to he wanted to stay there and basically just affect me as much as he could because I'm malleable, I guess, in the spirit world. Because I'll feel it, I'll see it, all of that. I'm a sponge. So, that in mind, I started to feel like something was following me again, except I didn't feel scared this time. I just felt... I know he won't really like this description per se because he feels it's too much, but the best way as a as a human being as I can describe it is it was so saturated in positive energy that the only way I could describe the way it felt was it feeling like the closest you could be to being in God's embrace like it just felt like the most beautiful positive energy just wrapped around you that you could ever feel and it was so strong that I would just weep like I would just be out and about town just like having to go to stop and go to bathrooms to cry because it was so much and it's like people think I'm sad but it's like I wasn't sad I was just like overwhelmed with this unexplainable emotion but I felt so good and then I would go home and when I would lay in bed at night I would start having dreams um about him and I didn't really think it was anything out of the ordinary um and then I started looking stuff up about him to see like maybe if anything was going on you know correlating with his life at the time like like or to make any sense of it and this picture kept popping up of him that I did not care for Um, and what I mean by that is he died in a very tragic way and there are pictures of him near the end of his life that bothered me and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way it's just it's hard for me to look at because it it made me sad and it what it was kind of disturbing to see um still is and um when I saw these pictures I did not want to see them anymore so I tried to filter things out on my phone so that I wouldn't see them um and then I just kind of went on my way and then the next night I was looking for more stuff about him and my and even though I filtered you know that 
content out so that I wouldn't see certain pictures from like time, that time in his life. There was one that popped up anyways, despite the fact, and it scared the shit out of me, like where I tossed my phone on accident, and I felt so bad because it's like he couldn't help the way he looked. It had nothing to do with anything that he did. It was just an illness-related thing. I just felt so awful. And then in that moment, I heard his laughter as audibly as if someone were actually in the room with me, like a per- like a friend. But I heard him laughing, and he said to me, Darling, if you're going to love me, you have to love it all. <laughs> And even just repeating it gives me the chills. Because I was not scared. And it's the only experience I've had where something like that happened. But I also didn't feel afraid. Like it calmed me down when he said that. And when I heard that I was just, first of all I was aghast. Because I've never heard anybody I've never heard a spirit actually talk to me before like that to where I could hear it and B I just was just I don't awe is the only word I have for it and then I felt shame because I just felt bad about it and I just said I was sorry I didn't want to make him feel bad and he just I just heard him laugh and that's and then he didn't say anything more beyond that and there was still a little, and like even when that happened, there was still a part of me that was like, "This, there's no way this is happening." I myself was doubting it just a little bit. And but nevertheless, I kept feeling him everywhere I went, even when I went to work. Like I could just feel him everywhere. It's like once that happened, and I knew it was him, like it got more intense to where it was like every hair in my body was just like radiating with his presence like he like he was just like becoming one with me almost and it was so overwhelming but at the same time it felt so euphoric and max you little bugger anyways <laughs> like i said before like i i just imagine the big like like, how do you even describe God's love? You know what I mean? It's like, or all the love and the beautiful positivity of the universe just swimming in your body at one time. It was just, it was, I've never, ever felt that way. And I don't know if it's possible to feel that way outside of being, you know, outside of this world. And it was extremely addicting, like, to where I was, like, any moment he wasn't around for a good while in the beginning, I was like, like an addict almost. It's like, ugh, what do I do when he's not here? Because I loved feeling that way. And it's like, I don't know if I could go on if I don't feel this way all the time <laughs> kind of a thing. Because in no other instance have I ever, do I recall ever feeling that good. Like, no amount of romantic euphoria, no amount of pride for work I've done or anything like that has ever compared to the intensity of this just 
beautiful energy that was just wrapped around me for like weeks and like maybe even months um on end and there was this day um around that time period where I wanted more proof well not just one day but there I started trying to find ways to get proof of this going on um and so one day when I was leaving for work I said you know so and so if you're really here um show me a sign um alter something in the room um like when I come back like leave something altered so that there's no denying it for me that you're here and then when I came home that day all of the drawers all of the cabinet doors in my kitchen were all open as if someone had come in and ransacked it and I know some people would find that concerning I found it very exciting (laughs) and I did not take pictures of it because in my mind like that was proof for me, but if I took a picture, I figured people would just assume that I did that myself. So I didn't bother. And I was like, okay, good, great. Um, and of course, like, I would still hear him laughing about it with his, he, he has the most pleasant laugh ever. And so when I hear it, it comes off as very cheeky because he tends to be a bit mischievous but for the most part, his energy is extremely, extremely loving, very bright, very beautiful, and very, very protective. Um, I feel like in many ways he has absolutely saved my life, even in physical ways. Um, there's been instances where I've almost fallen over a canal or almost tripped on some surf, like on some sidewalk, and literally felt myself being pulled in a way that I should not have been able to do on my on my own. And even like some, there was some night I was in the car with my family, and like it was it had been raining, and um, the car swerved, but we didn't crash because I think my mom had fallen was starting to fall asleep at the wheel. And every and me and my sister were asleep too, and she said she woke up because it felt like someone pulled the car um, into the right direction. And when that happened, um, one of his songs was playing on the radio, and I didn't know, obviously didn't know because I was asleep. But when I woke up to all that, one of his songs happened to be playing on the radio, and I just knew that it was him. And the, well, the two pieces of proof that I feel that I have, one is a video, and it's probably the main proof that I think most people would remotely accept, is at my old office, because we've since relocated, um, there was a Saturday where I was alone because at the time I was working weekends and so I would have the office to myself and it's a business complex so there's the possibility of you know other businesses being there but by and large like usually we were the only business that would be open on a weekend and that Saturday there was nobody there there was not a single car in the entire parking lot um 
nobody, none of the businesses were there except me. And I felt he was there. And so I got out my phone to take a video and like a visual video, not, not an audio, but visual. And I started walking around and I said, if you're, I said, so-and-so, if you're here, um, please show me a sign, make a noise, anything that you can, you know, handle doing. And he started banging on the walls so loud. And I got all of that on video and I made a point of like showing the fact that there were no cars to, you know, in the parking lot, meaning that no one else besides me was there. There were no construction workers. There was no, um, landscaping or, or construction going on anywhere near me. Um, so none of that was happening to, you know, rule out, you know, or explain what else that could be in terms of that sound. So for me, that was for sure proof that, you know, he was there and he was being responsive. Max, my gosh. Anyways. Um, and then I guess, however, if you want to believe or not anything I'm saying, that's up to you. Um, the only other thing I have that is special to me is I have this brown feather that I found in my room on New Year's Day. And the reason that that's special to me is that usually there's theories that if an angel is nearby, one of the things that they leave behind are feathers. And I don't have anything with feathers in my house. I don't have feather pillows. I don't have any cat toys with feathers. There's no way I could have tracked in some random brown feather. And I felt... Well, I was researching, you know, the meanings of, like, the co- the type of color, blah, blah, blah. And in my research at that time, I came across the fact that the pl- a planet that he's associated with is the planet of communication. And that, and the Greek god associated with that planet had deity children one of which was a daughter. And I was looking at, and it was showing me pictures of, you know, the, the children of this deity. And the, and the daughter deity had brown feathers in her hair, just like the one in my room. And in that moment, I felt like he was trying to say that I was like his spiritual daughter, that he was trying to help me change certain things within me. And I just wept and wept and wept because and it's hard for me to go into detail without saying who he is. It's hard to keep that path, you know, stay on that path and keep it on course. But it, but I felt like he was trying to say that I am here to help and that, you know, we're bonded in a very special spiritual way and that the help I'm giving you is the same I would give to any daughter of mine. And I know that I am one, I am a spiritual daughter to him and he has a spiritual son elsewhere. And it's just a very blessed feeling. And I know that that might sound like wishful thinking or um, a reality that I might try to fabricate based on what seeing what I 
what I would supposedly want to see, but I felt led to the information that I was finding. And on top of that, a friend of mine at that time revealed to me coincidentally that he shared the same illness as the spirit that he died. The disease that killed the spirit that is with me also afflicts a good friend of mine. And he happened to share that with me for the first time in the same time period as me finding all this out. So I also felt like I was supposed to be part of this friend's journey, who's doing fine, by the way. Um, like, I don't know. It's just the synchronicities were so crazy to me. And that spirit is still with me to this day, and this started around the end of December of last year. And he's still here. I still communicate with him. I still feel his love and protection. He still sends me signs all the time. And I don't know if I'll ever go any more public with it than this. I would. There's a part of me that wants to. But I feel that if I were to say who he is and try to, to like be go go beyond this with it that I'll look like I'm attention seeking and that I'm trying to exploit and that is not at all my my goal I didn't even seek this out (laughs) so I know it's such an unexplainable situation but for me it's no different communication wise than if I were talking to you know, the person listening to this podcast, to anyone, to any of those of you who are sitting in your cars or in your office or your, your house, you know, listening to this with your headphones on, like the way that you're hearing me is, is as clear and as real as I hear him. And you don't have to believe me, of course. I mean, bare minimum, I hope it entertains you. (laughs) But for me, that's, what it's like it's like to having a normal conversation with a person that you that any other person except I can't see him <laughs> that's the one thing I can't do is see him <laughs> I went silent for a second because I could hear um beads shaking in my room and I don't have the f- and I have a lot of fans on in my house but none of them are on um, I don't have the heater on or anything like that, so th- a, a loud noise like that, to me, is just like him kind of saying that he's here. <laughs> it kind of stopped, but I, but before I could definitely hear it. I, I wish I could just go in there so and like maybe it will. Well, you never know. I mean, let's see if it'll happen again. Why did I get scared for a second? <laughs> That's so silly. Oh my god.
I don't know if that got caught on audio or not, but it was moving a little bit. I don't know. I just felt... I don't know why I got so weirdly intense about that. Um, because like I said before, it's it's positive energy, so... I don't know. I guess I just usually don't make a point of like trying to capture shit in my own house when I'm by myself too much. Because it's like, I don't know. Like when I'm just talking to him, like it feels normal. But then like when I all of a sudden try to record stuff, like it feels more intense. I don't know why. Um, let's see. We are at, I think, a little over 30 minutes perhaps. Oh, we're at 40. Okay. We still got some time. <laughs> um, I'm. I don't know that these will always be hour-long specials, but I kind of want to give you something good, something to nibble on. Um, but yes, so my primary clear audience ex- um, experience has been with this this entity, and um, clairsentience has been the primary what's the word, I guess, ability that I've had for the majority of my life. Um, as early as, like, three years old, um, one of my parents' favorite stories to tell is when I, before, I don't think my sister was born yet, or if she, my mom was pregnant with her. I don't remember. Somewhere in that time period, though, I was definitely very little, and, um, it was a point in time where my parents were on the cusp of separating but hadn't yet and so my dad would sleep downstairs on the couch and my mom would be in the room in her room and like there were some nights where she would just be at her typewriter and I would be like on their bed coloring a coloring book or something and as my mom describes it there were many many nights where my dad would come you know stomping up the stairs um you know, his mannish stomps and, you know, say something stupid like, oh, I'm hungry. Could you make me a sandwich or something? And she would just be like, no, make it yourself, you dumbass, or something like that. Something classy like that. And um, that would happen. That was a common thing that would happen. He would always come upstairs and ask for something stupid that he could definitely do himself. Um, I guess this night was no different. Um, She's upstairs at the typewriter. I'm doing my own thing on the bed and we hear the stomp stomps of him coming up the stairs and it's you know it's it was a sound that was very noticeable like there was no missing it and so like because she hears it she starts to get aggravated and she does the whole (sighs) and she stops what she's doing and she turns to face the doorway waiting for him to come in in kind of a now what or what do you want now type of you know demeanor And I also, and she says, I stopped coloring and looked at the doorway too, because we both heard it and we were expecting him to walk in, but he didn't. And so she got more annoyed because, you know, a couple minutes go by, she, we definitely heard him, but he's not there. And so she gets all annoyed and she gets up and goes, and mind you, where my parents' bedroom was, was right next to the staircase. And if you looked down, you would see the whole living room. And so she goes and gets up, goes to the doorway, and sees that he's not at the stairs, looks over the railing, and sees that he's dead asleep on the couch. And she got very, you know, like, oh my god. Because there's no, in the time that she got up, 
there was no way he could have gone up, came up those stairs and gone all the way back down quickly enough to just be back on the couch and be in a dead sleep, snoring hella loud. And, you know, he was obviously in deep sleep anyways. So the likelihood of him going, there was just no way he could have gone up and down the stairs that quickly and gone back to sleep. So there's... So there's the belief that there was a spirit in that house um, for several years um, that supposedly I used to call the black-haired lady um, because apparently she would I would see her all the time when I was little and I was very scared of her. And I don't have any memory of this myself, probably for the best. I don't think I would want to remember that. But like my parents would see me take a nap on the couch and I'd be like, starting to cry in my sleep or I'd be like trying to fight something off like I'd be like um you know pushing my hair my my hands against my face and I would be saying like and I would just be crying and they would wake me up and they'd be like what's wrong and I would always say like the black-haired lady's trying to take me she's trying to take me and my parents were extremely scared (laughs) of me saying this and they asked my uncle, and he believed that it was my mother's maternal mom that um, never met me. Um, and that I just interpreted it to be something scary or like she was a stranger because I never met her. So I keep hearing the beats. Anyhow. <laughs> Um, so those are things that have just been happening over the course of my life, just things like that. And I mean, even with the one that I largely talked about tonight, that's here, that's usually here with me, like he has come to me in my sleep and like, where I've seen him very vividly, where I can see him and talk to him. And I, (laughs) I don't even want to say one of the things he did because it sounds very weird But, like, the best way I can describe it once is, like, it was, like, I was laying down, and in my sleep, I remember waking up, and his face was above mine, and he, like, did this weird, like, bellow, or, like, not a scream, but, like, this loud noise that he, like, screamed into my mouth, (laughs) and, like, radiated throughout my body, and it was a very weird experience. I don't even know what that was meant to do per se, but it scared me in the moment, but then I felt fine afterwards. I don't know what that did other than maybe uh, maybe a chakra clearing, I don't know. I don't I still don't know what the point of that was entirely, but it was a very weird moment um for me that I've never experienced before or since. But beyond that, he has a very cheeky sense of humor with me. And he never really tries to scare me or anything like that. Um, he's he's mischievous, but he's not he's not scary. He's not cruel. Um, he's very protective of me and those around me. So I'm very happy and pleased to have, you know, any kind of spirit like that in my life aside from you know my grandmother who also is with me a lot of the time oh my little mixy boy he's so cute um it's i'm gonna be drawing this particular episode to a close soon but before i start wrapping it up i 
want to say that I hope that this type of content continues to be enjoyable throughout the month of October. And as a reminder, this show is sponsored by Mermaid Straw. I am a Mermaid Straw ambassador. So if you use my code LBTheHero10, you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from mermaidstraw.com. And if you're unaware, Mermaid Straw is a biodegradable company that for, um, makes alum- stainless, not aluminum, stainless steel straws to sit in an effort to clean up our oceans and save the sea turtles. And at the time of this recording, they not only have straws available, but they also now include flatware. Um, they have apparel and there are cups, I believe. And the variety of straws have evolved to also include boba straws and cocktail straws. And if you didn't already know as well, there are also silicone tips that you can buy for the ends of the straws in case you're a biter and you miss the feeling of nibbling on your straws. Mermaid straws got you covered. So you can get them in an array of colors. I believe your first or bundle or your first mermaid straw in general is free. For you, I think you only pay shipping, but with my discount code, you can get an additional 10% off. They come in rainbow color like mine, or you can get them in black, gold, rose gold, blue. You, if you can dream it, they got it. <laughs> it's a very good company. I very much love being a part of their team. They're awesome. And every purchase you make at Mermaid Straw goes towards ocean cleanup services. So if you want to do a little more to erase your, I guess, carbon footprint and have and contribute to having less plastic in our oceans, this is a small, easy way you can do that. Um, as far as the rest of the season goes, I hope to have more people join me in talking about some scary ghost stories, theories, reviews, what have you. I will see you in the next episode, and I love you all, and I will see you soon. Bye-bye.